But whether you shout amen or not, it's true. Pretty much everything I tell you is true unless I tell you otherwise. Unless it's a joke. (laughs) But this is no joke. So let me just talk to you for a moment out of Matthew chapter 5. And if you would, it's right there on the screen. You read it with me. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good sendeth rain unto the just and on the unjust for if ye love them which love you what reward have ye do not even the publicans the same and if ye salute your brethren only What do you more than others? Do not even the publican so. But ye therefore, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. How many would say today that your goal is to strive to be better? I want to be perfect. I want to understand that Jesus was perfect and He's our example and He is our standard. And when I measure myself against Him, I realize how imperfect I am. I realize that I fail and I fall and I sin and I stumble. But it is my desire in my heart to be like Jesus. I know that I have made Jesus my Lord and my Savior and He has forgiven me of my sins and when I die, I'm going to heaven. I know that. But how can I show the world? How can people look at me and look at my life and what will draw others to Christ? He said, you've heard it said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You see, this was a very popular teaching in Jesus' time. It was the religious elite that were teaching to love those who love you, to love your neighbor, but that it was okay to hate your enemies. You see, they were half right. That seems to be the theme of the Religious and false teachers and prophets. There's enough truth to get you, but enough lies to deceive you. Satan did it in the garden with Adam and Eve. He began to deceive them and twist the truth, the truth that God said. And then he would twist it and get them to think maybe God didn't say that. So God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Jesus came and He came right in the midst of this teaching, love your neighbors but hate your enemies. And Jesus said, you've heard it said. But then He said, 
But, oh, listen, I, I, I kind of like that teaching, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That would be easy, wouldn't it? That's just, that, that comes natural, doesn't it? it, it mo, most of us would go, yeah, I can, I can get behind that pre- kind of preaching. I think I could do that. But when we begin to talk about love people that are different, because I, I can go, I can love people that are like me. I can love people that look like me and talk like me and are from the same place I am and who are on my same team. And, but oh, if you're talking about the other side, if you're talking about somebody different, if you're talking about somebody that looks different and act different and they're from somewhere else. Mm. So the people at this time, I mean, they were being oppressed. The Jews were being oppressed by the Romans. And so they could get behind, love your neighbor, love your fellow Jews, love the, those of the people of God. We're the chosen. Oh, but the Romans, we can, it's okay to hate them. Jesus said, you've heard. You've heard. You've been taught. And you've even believed that it was okay to love your neighbor, but to hate your enemy. We're living in an age and at a time where hate seems to be at an all-time high And hate is growing, and hate is being fostered, and hate is being fueled, and hate is being celebrated. Take just a moment and look at the screen and watch this next video. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying Take a look in the mirror What do you see? Do you see it clearer? Or are you deceived? In what you believe Cause I'm only human loves the people we hate. Jesus said, you have heard, you've been taught that it's okay to love your enemies or to love your neighbor but hate your enemies. But I tell you. How many wants to know what Jesus said? And if we know what Jesus said, then we've got to do what Jesus said. So somebody says, Pastor, please don't tell me what Jesus said. If I don't know, ignorance is bliss. But Jesus said, but I tell you to love your enemies. We, we, we hear those words and we go, are you serious? 
Do, do you know what you're talking about? That is impossible. It's easy to love those who love me, but it's impossible to love my enemies. Jesus says, no, it's not impossible, or I wouldn't command you to do it. God is the God of the impossible. He is the God that so loved the world and He loved all of the world and He commands you and I as followers of Jesus Christ to love the world and not just those we like. Not just those close to us. Not just our family. Jesus responds, yes, you can love your enemies. You can love those who despitefully use you. You can love your enemies. Now, He didn't tell us That we had to like them. He didn't tell us that we had to feel good about those that abuse us. He didn't say we had to fall in love with those that hate us. But he said we had to love our enemies. We're going to talk about those different four types of love next week. But of all those different loves, they're all a choice except God's love. That agape agape love of God is a love that we don't deserve, but is given freely. And as we experience that kind of love, the kind of love that God, because He first loved us, in that while we were yet sinners, an enemy of God, He loved us. He loved us first. Before we offered anything, before we loved Him, before we gave our life, when we were His enemy, He loved us. And He gave us an example as He's being crucified. Those who were called so-called enemies, they're the ones who mocked Him. They're the ones who beat Him. They're the ones who nailed the nails in his hands. They're the ones that hung him on a cross. And there they ridiculed and mocked and blasphemed. And Jesus looked off of the cross and he simply said, Father, forgive them. That was the first F-bomb right there dropped. Everybody's dropping the F-bomb lately, but I'm telling you, Jesus dropped the first one. Forgive them. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. You don't know. Your enemy doesn't know. We have so much division. And we don't know what, what they're going through. We don't know what's happening to them. We don't know where they're coming from. They're just different than us. And, and they said things and did things. And, and, and I just don't like them because of where they're from. I don't like them because of their gender. I don't like them because of their nationality. I don't like them because of their status. I don't like them. I don't know anything about them. But somebody told me I shouldn't like them. And so I don't like them because somebody else doesn't like them. And... But Jesus loves them. And Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves those I hate. Jesus loves my enemies. And if Jesus loves my enemies just as much as he loves me, maybe I need to take another look. How are are we to love our enemies? How? It's 
somebody, somebody asked the question. How? I said somebody asked the question. How? How? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> what did Jesus say? And we're going to look at these things. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who persecute you. Can I be honest? I don't like any three of those. None of those sound fun. But we're going to do them. We're going to do good. We're going to do good. Jesus said he instructs us, amen, to have, give practical assistance, amen, to show love, to show honor, to, to be a blessing to people who may be our enemies. Amen, you see them on the side of the road with a flat tire. Don't honk and wave. Stop and help. During the American Revolution, there was a pastor by the name of Peter Miller who lived in Pennsylvania, and he was friends, personal friends, with George Washington. But Pastor Miller had a bitter enemy named Michael Whitman. Michael Whitman did everything he could to frustrate and humiliate this pastor. One day, Mr. Whitman was arrested for treason and sentenced to die. Pastor Peter Miller walked 70 miles from Philadelphia to plead for the life of Michael Whitman. General George Washington said to Miller that he was sorry, but their friendship was not enough to pardon the life of your friend Michael Whitman. My friend, Michael Whitman, or the old preacher said, He is my bitterest enemy. When General Washington realized that Miller had walked 70 miles to plead for the life of his enemy, he granted him the pardon. And Pastor Miller and Michael Whitman Walk the 70 miles back home, no longer enemies. You see, Jesus has called us to be practical. He has called us to plead the case of our enemies, not just those who love us, but it's in that showing the love of God and showing grace and showing mercy and being kind that we show Jesus. See, you, you understand, we don't have to feel good about somebody to do good for somebody. Oh, can I say that again? You don't have to feel good about somebody to do good for somebody. But doing good has a strange effect on us. When we do good, it makes us feel good. When we feel good, it makes us have better thinking. It can change our attitude about them and about ourselves. So the Bible declares in Proverbs 25, 21, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water 
to drink. You see, that is practical Christianity. We look so many times at the need of the world and the church's job. And we, we, we feed so many people and you go, we don't even know those people. Those people don't even come to church here. Why are we doing it? Why? Because Jesus said to do it. Feed the hungry and give the thirsty drink. He didn't say if you liked them, if you knew them. He just said do it. And in that we show the love of Christ. Practical, we give assistance to those who are supposed to be our enemy. Maybe they're a sworn enemy. Maybe they're just somebody different that we don't know. Maybe they on the different side of a, the political stance. Maybe they're just different and you don't know why. But there's just division. But Jesus has called us to do good. To our enemy. You see, as we begin to do good, something changes in our heart. It's hard to hate somebody that you're being good to. And Amy already said it. It's hard to love somebody you're not doing good to. And sometimes there's division in our family simply because we stopped doing good. Jesus said, not only are we going to do good, but we're going to bless them. Everybody say, bless them. <laughs> now, I know how some of y'all like to bless people. Oh, I'll bless them, all right. He said, bless those who curse you. <laughs> he didn't say, curse those that curse you. Huh? You see, I, I know how to curse. I know all the words. I worked construction for years. I went to John Tyler. I learned those words. No, 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 no. I learned those words in Ramey Elementary. I learned those on the bathroom wall. I know how to curse. But Jesus said for me to bless. You see, cursing comes easy. It's blessing that comes hard. It's easy. It's all, it, it feels good. There's nothing better than a good insult. Oh, and, and, and when we hear other people doing it, we're like, ooh, burn. We're like, ooh, that was a good one. High five. <laughs> Through history, there's been some good ones. John Jacob Astor's wife once said to Winston Churchill, Winston, if you were my husband, I should flavor your coffee with poison. To which Churchill replied, Madam, if I were your husband, I should drink it. <laughs> oh, that was good. Congressman John Randolph and Henry Clay met on a sidewalk in Washington. Clay said, I, sir, do not step aside for a scoundrel. To which Randolph replied, on the other hand, I always do, and stepped aside. An envious actress congratulated another actress on a book she'd written. I enjoyed it, she said. Who wrote it for you? The author replied, well, I did. 
and I'm so glad you liked it. Who read it to you? Oh. You see, that, that kind of response, and that, that, we like that. We like, that's why we like to watch the roast. We like when people cut people down and insult. And, but Jesus said, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're to bless those who curse us. Those who wish us harm. Those who don't love us. Those, amen, who tell us to go to hell. We should be the ones to say, I don't have to. And neither do you. Jesus paid the price for me. Oh, there's many people that will tell you to go there, but very few will tell you how you don't have to. It's time that we love each other and we begin to tell people, you don't have to. And let me show you how. Let me tell you how. It's when we begin to bless. Uh, Dr. Gary Smalley, in his book on blessing, he spoke of this high value of a message. Uh, uh, He showed this is the commitment. Uh, This is how blessing comes to pass. When you bless someone, you communicate to them that you recognize their value as a human made in the image of God. You not only wish for them a positive future, but you actually picture it. And in doing so, you affirm that you will do all in your power to see that that special future will come to pass for them. So we look at our enemies and instead of cursing them and telling them to get away and go to the devil and instead we bless them saying that blessing declares over their life you have a future, you have a purpose and there's a God who loves you as much as He loves me and I want and I pray that you find Him. It's hard, it's hard to respond to our enemies' insults and their curses with blessing. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because, let's be honest, in the South, we like to bless people's hearts. And so when they insult us and they curse us, we like to say, well, bless your heart. But really what that means is you're an idiot. That's a nice way of cursing them. But instead of blessing their heart, we need to bless their soul. And we need to bless their future. And we need to bless their family and bless their children. Because we don't understand or know what they're going through. It's usually the biggest bully that is hurting the worst. It's usually those that scream the loudest and curse the most are the ones who have been hurt and they're hurting and they feel hopeless and they feel unloved and they're lashing out and they're looking for someone because everyone curses them back. But they're looking for someone that'll bless them. Will that be us? It requires me to do some hard work. It requires me to look for good in them. It it, it requires me to realize that they're not evil. They may be acting it. They may be uh, uh, being uh, um, tormented. They may be influenced by evil. But they're not evil. They're just a person being used by the devil. 
and I'm supposed to love them. As an individual, as we begin to seek for God's love, it was Dr. Martin Luther King that made this statement. A second thing that an individual must do in seeking to love his enemy is to discover the element of good in his enemy. And every time you begin to hate that person and think of hating that person, realize that there's some good there. And look at those good points which will overbalance the bad points. He continued to say the person who hates you the most has some good in him. Even the nation that hates you most has some good in it. Even the race that hates you most has some good in it. And when you come to the point that you look into the face of every man and see the deep down within him what religion calls the image of God, you begin to love him in spite of. No matter what he does, you see God's image there. There's an element of goodness that he can never slough off. Discover the element of good in your enemy. And as you seek to hate him, find the center of goodness and place your attention there. And it'll give you a new attitude. In this nation, politicians, all the groups are trying to just put the races against each other, put genders against each other, put the, the youth against the old, put the, this group and this group. Everything's division. But I'm telling you, this country is not as divided as they say. Stop. Let's stop making them rich. There's not as much hate as they're saying there is. There's still good in people. And we've got to find the good. And we don't hate people. We love people because Jesus loves us. And He loves them. And He said that we've got to do good to them. We have got to bless them. And lastly, He said we've got to pray for them. You see, praying for your enemies are powerful. But it's not easy. Because in my flesh, I don't want to pray for my enemy. You, you, you see, do you remember Jonah? Did, did, you, did you know Jonah was a racist? Did you know that was at the whole heart of that? He had been raised and taught... The people in Nineveh had been so mean and ugly and cruel to the Jews. They, they, they were taught to hate them. And when God told him to go down and preach to them, they were wicked and he was going to destroy them. Jonah said, God, I know you. I know your goodness. I know your mercy. If I go preach to them, they'll repent. And if they repent, you'll save them. And I don't want you to save them. I want them to die and go to hell. That's about as racist as you can get. When you want somebody to die and go to hell simply because they're different than you, there's a problem. And Jonah ran from God because he did not want to do what God called him to do. You know the story. He ultimately did what God wanted him to do. He preached and they repented. And God had mercy. 
Can I tell you today, God's still a God of mercy. And God wants us to preach to our enemies the love of God. We look at people and it's the, 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 the heart of hatred, the heart of jealousy and envy and, and, and pride and prejudice to look at somebody and you know what? I don't care enough for you to tell you about heaven. I hate you so much that I want you to go to hell. So therefore, I'm not going to tell you about Jesus. That's the greatest act of hatred. What Can you even imagine walking past someone drowning and there being a life preserver there and you looking and going, no, I don't like them. They look different than me. They're, they're, they're not like me. Uh, they, 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 they said something mean to me one time. They, they made a bad comment on my Facebook page. And they're going down and they're screaming for help. And you've got the life preserver. And you go, nah. There's not one person in this room that would do that. What would think to do that? I mean, we wouldn't even think we would be throwing the life preserver. It's instinct to help. But we, 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 we train ourselves and we train other people by our actions that when we see a lost and dying world sinking in sin, and even though they're acting horrible in so many ways, it's because they don't know God. And we have the life preserver in our hand and we're not willing to throw it because we say, oh, we, don't, we might offend them. I don't want to stand before God one day. I don't want anybody to stand before God and Him say, depart from me. I never knew you. And them turn and look at me and say, why didn't you tell me? I'm telling you, there is no good answer for that. Do good to them. Bless them. And pray for them. Can, can, can prayer really change my enemies? It can. There's a chance that, that prayer could change your enemy's heart. There's a chance. But can I tell you something? Can praying for your enemies change you? 100% guaranteed. It'll change you. It'll give you a different attitude. It'll give you a different perspective. It might change them. It might not. But it'll change you. When we turn from hatred, when we turn a cheek that's been smitten and we don't smite back when we've been cursed and we bless when we do good to those who don't do good to us it'll change us we become who Christ has called us to be we become as he said perfect like the father praying for your enemies is a way to change your heart. And here's just a few suggestions. There's many. You add all you want. You, you customize it to your enemy. I don't know who your enemy is. But you customize it. Here's a few. Let's pray for them to know and experience God's love. 
I've experienced the love of God. I've been forgiven a great debt. I was on my way to hell and I'm on my way to heaven. And I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. I want to be as Jesus and look out and say, Father, forgive them. Pray they experience the love of God. Pray that God would make His presence known to them. You see, because it was the love of God that turned you from a scoundrel into who you are today. It was God's love who turned you into that mean, nasty, bitter, cantankerous person into the person of love that you are today who people look at and go, wow, what a blessing. Look at you. How, I want to be like you. How did you get? And you go, no, no, no. I, I, I'm just a sinner. But I was saved by God's grace. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a child of the Most High God. He delivered me out of a pit. And He set my feet on a foundation. And I'm just trying to be like Jesus. And we realize, wow, God can do the same thing for them as He did for me. We pray that they will experience joy and peace that only comes from surrendering to Christ. You see, the reason people are so mean, as I already said it, they're hurting, they're lost, and the devil is driving them. But if they can experience the joy and peace that comes through salvation, it'll change them. We pray that God will fill their lives with good things. When you begin to pray good on your enemies... God will cause good to happen to you. But I'm telling you, the Bible says you reap what you sow. And if you're praying cursing on your enemies, you're cursing yourself. We pray that God will bless their family and their relationships and their finances and their career and their physical and their emotional and their health. And we continue on and on. Lord, bless them. We pray that God will give them strength to face whatever challenges they're going through and that whatever's happening in their life, God will help them. Now, you don't have to be the one that does it. You don't have to be the one that changes their But you know what? God can send somebody else to tell them. But you need to pray for them. We pray that we'll both come to the place to where we don't see each other as enemies anymore. You just, you, you just continue on that list. Just add it. and You think about yours and what they need. And, but I'm telling you, it's hard to hate somebody that you're praying for. Now, it might take a while. You might think about them and start to pray for them and then get mad all over again of what they did and, then you got to work on it a little bit and come back. And, but you know what? Little by little, when you think about it, when you think about what they did to you, when you remember the injustice, the hurt, the insult, the abuse, whatever it was, instead of cursing them, I hope they die. You see, unforgiveness... Is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. 
it'll kill you. Unforgiveness will rot your soul. Unforgiveness will eat at your heart. Unforgiveness literally causes physical sickness and disease. It's proven fact. There's something. So you don't forgive people because they deserve it. You don't forgive people for their sake. You forgive them for your sake. You see, because when you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, you're tied to them. And you're so angry and you hate them for what they did, but because of your unforgiveness, you have shackled yourself to them and you can't get free. It's only when you forgive them that those ties are severed and you're free. And then you're able to put them in the Lord's hands. You may never see them again. Like I said, you don't have to be their best friend. You don't have to take them to coffee. You don't have to invite them to your house. You don't have... No, 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 no. But you don't hold bitterness in your heart. Don't allow the enemy to shackle you to that pain any longer, to that hatred. It's time that we obey. Jesus said, you've heard. Love your enemies. Love your friends. Hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. Do good to them, bless them, and pray for them. Father, today, I want to do what Jesus said for me to do. You said in John chapter 13 and 35, By this, all will know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. The world is looking at the church. The world is watching. Anger and tor- turmoil and division is being stoked and the fires of hatred are burning bright. But it's time that the church of Jesus Christ rise in the middle of it and begin to do good, to bless, and to pray for our enemies. Thus, being perfect like the Father. Everyone pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to honor you with my life. Thank you for saving me, forgiving me. Help me love my enemies. Forgive those who have hurt me. To bless them. To do good to them. And to pray for them. Help me. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you just move out through this congregation right now, through these cameras into every home. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and we just search our heart. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Father, today I ask you, do I love my enemies or do I hate them? Do I have unforgiveness in my heart against anyone?
Have I allowed the, the world and social media and the news and politics to cause division in my heart with people, with races? Is there anything in me that is prejudiced against anyone? First of all, Father, I ask you to forgive me. I want to be like you. You loved the world. You gave your greatest gift, your son, Jesus. Jesus, you gave your life. Because you loved us. You love the people I hate. You died for the people that I call enemy. Today help me change my heart and my mind toward them. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to remind me. Where I'm holding a grudge. Maybe it was legitimate. They, they truly hurt. Abused. Betrayed. But you love them. You died for them. Who am I? To withhold mercy. Heaven from them. Touch my heart this morning. Help me to release them into your hands. Holy Spirit, we want revival in the Lord's house. We want revival in our house. We want revival in this nation. And there's no greater way to bring revival than beginning to love each other, forgiving each other, showing the love of Christ, being an example to our children. As your eyes are closed, I'm telling you, it only took you about a split second to identify your enemy, to identify the one that hurts you, to identify the one that you have unforgiveness for because you're shackled to them. It's an ever-living memory and a thought and a source of pain. But this morning, Jesus wants to set you free, to unshackle you from that burden to release you from that pain, to heal your broken heart, and to let His love flood your heart and heal your brokenness. To help you release your enemy today. With that person in your mind and I'm going to ask you to take a bold 
bold step. You say, Pastor, this morning I'm tired of being shackled to this memory, to this thought, to this pain. And I'm ready this morning. To just put them in God's hands. Maybe I'm not ready to love them or even bless them. But I am ready this morning to grant forgiveness. And put them in God's hands and ask God to work on them. And to work on me. To get me to that point to where I no longer remember that pain. And that I can bless them. And I can pray for them. If there's any person in this building today that say, Pastor, there's somebody like that in my life. There's somebody like that in my past. They've hurt me. I've held on to something today that I need to let go of. And I want to be free. I want to be like Jesus. I want to love my enemies. I'm going to ask you if you would just stand to your feet. That's a bold step. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heaven is rejoicing. You just took a major step in your life. Jesus applauds you this morning. Would you pray with me? Say, dear Lord Jesus, my heart hurts. I've been wounded. I've been wronged. But I've held that wrong in my heart. I've had unforgiveness in my heart for this person. Today, I release them into your hands. Today, I ask you to unshackle me from my past, from that memory. From that pain, from that hurt. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. And you said, if I don't forgive others, you won't forgive me. So today, I release that person, that memory, that pain into your hands. I grant forgiveness. I release them from that hurt, betrayal, pain. I am free in Jesus' name. Jesus, help me to do good, to bless, and to pray for that person. Thank you. Come on, just take a deep breath. Just let it out. Doesn't that feel good?